Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's a gentleman's hour today on Trending, and do you know what strength is? Do you know that one of the core needs women have when it comes to men is their strength, but what is strength? Is strength just physical? We will dive into this with Devin Shad today on Trending, the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph. Also, I heard heartbreaking news today, and that is that Britney Spears had an abortion when she was a teenager. Have you had an abortion? Do you know someone who has? It's a very unfortunate, common experience that is life-changing and life-altering. And we're going to talk a little bit about Britney Spears' story, her song that actually chronicles this from, again, her teen years. And in fact, if you didn't hear, she actually had this abortion with then-boyfriend Justin Timberlake. So we'll dive into that here on Trending in just a few minutes. Joining me now on Trending is Devin Schott. And if you want to ask a question or weigh in on the conversation today, our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order Foresters Life Insurance. We were talking earlier, Devin, about changing diapers. I'm in the season of changing a lot of diapers. I had two in diapers briefly, and I insisted on potty training my two-year-old pretty quickly. She did great, and we're down to one. And it's interesting, even just for me as a mom, with the second, I hardly care about changing diapers. I rarely ask my husband for help as much as before. It might be a little quicker to say, hey, can you change this diaper with maybe some of the new adjustments of motherhood with the first? And he's always willing to lend a hand. You know, If he notices, he changes it. Of course, I think moms kind of usually just notice or aware of timing of diapers a little more often. But I was alarmed, Devin, when you and I were talking, you were sharing that news hit earlier this year about a Catholic influencer who refuses to change diapers. And I was looking online. I saw some posts online. Uh, one of them commented that 99% of the time, with rare exceptions, a dad changing diapers is a signal of feminism. And my jaw just dropped because I know there are men who certainly don't like changing diapers, who really likes changing the poopy diapers. But then there's just this outright avoidance of changing diapers. And I thought this brought to mind this whole conversation about what women want and need in men about strength. And what are your, just on the diaper front, what was your initial reaction to this story that hit the internet? Yeah. And when I first heard about it, I was actually infuriated. And um, well, for one reason is, is that I have a 22 year old special needs daughter that I literally change her diapers pretty much daily. Mm. So the, the idea that um, a man is weak. Uh, a man is emasculated because he changed diapers. I, I, I was like, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. So, what I started, but what I wanted to do though was, I it caused me to dig a little deeper and say, okay, well, what when could I look to the scriptures and find something maybe in Christ's life that could really open this up for me? 
And I remember Christ at the Last Supper where he washed the feet of his disciples. And you've got these guys, we got to remember, it weren't paved roads back in Israel in his day. They, they had dirt on their feet, feet, animal feces on their feet. And our Lord disrobes himself. He washes their feet, but he wipes their feet on the towel that he's wearing. And that dirt is a symbol of sin, just like the excrement that comes from a person's body is a symbol of the sin that we've got to get rid of. That's the detoxification spiritually that has to take place through confession and all that. But notice what Christ says. He says, what I've done to you, you now do to one another and for one another. And so this is the key. And I think this is really important to understand. We look at God and God has his greatness. This is the great paradox of the both and. Jesus is God. He is great. He is glorious. But yet he lowers himself in the incarnation and he serves. And this is the both and paradox of strength. When someone is strong, they don't deny their glory. They don't deny their talents and their gifts and their greatness, but they actually use those in humility to serve others. Why? Because by lowering themselves, they're able to lift up those around them. So when I change the diapers of my daughter, what I'm doing is I'm lowering myself to her level and for my wife in order to lift my family to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you sharing that testimony as well of having a child with special needs who is now 22 years old and having to help with it, taking care of, right, the incontinence, taking care of the diapers. Mm-hmm. And I was even thinking about this yesterday. So it's it, timely that it comes up because my dad came over and brought my grandmother to visit. And even just, you know, he's in this phase of life where he's having to help his own mother use the restroom. And I remember mm-hmm. helping my great grandmother as a teenager use the restroom. And it, it, it's it's mind-boggling, it's humbling, it's uncomfortable, it's humiliating uh, for both people, I think. And you know, not even just talking about kids' diapers, but just kind of tying this whole thing into it when we were talking about how deeply women need a man's strength. It was interesting when you and I were discussing this earlier today that you mentioned this example because at the end of the day, when we talk about strength, I think men often get the idea of strength wrong. I think a lot of men have this expectation of it's about how much iron I can pump, how fit I look. And you had mentioned to me that men are very visual and that that visual component perhaps has to do with your idea of what it means to be strong. And I thought that was interesting because it shows me that a lot of men are looking for physical strength, which is important and fundamental to us women as well, but that you're getting it wrong in terms of what our expectations are with regard to strength and what you need for yourself as well as men. Yeah, that's great. I Well, we were talking, remember, when I was in college, I uh, I had dated a gal for a while. She's now my wife, ironically, but she broke up with me. And I was like lean and I was short. And I decided that I really needed to put on some muscle mass and you know, become the man. And I was doing two day workouts and I put on a significant amount of muscle mass over the course of like nine months. And finally we had a conversation. She called me, check in. And I said, well, you know, arrogantly, Hey, have you seen me lately? I've been working out. And she said, yeah, you look like an ape. And I was like, okay, so there's a disconnect here. This is not the kind of strength that a woman wants. What is she looking for? And so I, you know, I think we are very visual men are, and we, tend to look at other men. We're like, wow, he's, you know, he's got it together. I wish I could be like him. And we kind of rate ourselves based on the visual, but it sounds to me like what you're saying, and, and maybe we dive, I turn the tables a little bit and ask you, 
So yes, we men are visual and we tend to look at things from the external, but what is it a woman's expecting for a man in the ter- in the area of strength? If it's not just visual, what is what is she looking for? Yeah, I think men have an expectation of their strength that women are not looking for, as you're saying. And when I think of this big picture, a woman wants a man who will be at the helm of the ship, right? And guiding, if we're talking about this within the context of everything from dating to marriage, at the helm of the ship, who's competent, capable, that means physically capable, but also morally capable. There are moral decisions you have to make at the helm of a ship, that you're reliable, that you're trustworthy. And this all comes back to this idea that I think is fundamental that strength has to do with the sacrifices that a man will make. And yeah, I feel like in our culture right now, again, strength is purely superficial. And so at the end of the day, what we're talking about is that strength is the fullness of a man's character, touching on everything from Mm -hmm. the physical, the moral, the emotional, the psychological, and the spiritual. Yeah, I I think that's fantastic. And uh, there's a great example of a friend of mine Um, I won't mention his name. He'd be very embarrassed, but his wife uh, was diagnosed with MS and she was digressing pretty rapidly. And in fact, when my wife went over to, I think, bring a meal to her, he was actually having to hold up one of the babies uh, so that she could nurse the baby. Um, That was how weak she was. And so he changed his entire lifestyle. This guy is a go-getter and very talented and just involved in many things. But so what he started doing was he started denying himself. So instead of him showering while she's getting the kids ready for school and mass in the morning, he said, why don't you shower? Why don't you exercise? I'll get the kids ready. And then she changed her diet. And so he changed his diet to match hers. And then he started cooking. And in fact, he started doing all the shopping, anything to relieve her of her stress. And he like literally gave up so much. But what what happened, what transpired was that, see, and this all sounds to like the modern man is weakness. And I just want to make that mm-hmm. little caveat here. But what happened was his wife actually is symptom-free now from MS because his sacrifice, his love heals her. And it, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And so this is strength. Strength is sacrificial love, which heals. And you sacrifice for that which you love. He sacrificed for her and that sacrifice produced healing. So I think when we're talking about marriage, that's I, I love what you're saying about the psychological, the physical, the emotional, the moral, the spiritual. Yeah, women need that from men. And when we do that, even if it means, and especially if it means lowering ourselves, serving, sacrificing, that's where the strength, that's where the strength is at. Because like it says in the scripture, I think it's the second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, you might have to check me on that principle, but It is power is made perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. And so that's that great lowly paradox when Mm -hmm. we are, we don't deny our greatness, but we offer that greatness in service. And that's Mm -hmm. when love heals. Yes, and you're correct. Second Corinthians 12, it's such a powerful line that I think we need to remember when we're talking about strength. St. Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that the paradox of strength? And your story you just shared about your friend whose wife had MS and how he changed his entire life to 
allow her the space to heal, to take care of herself. And what's interesting is, Devin, I think some people will respond. Some men will respond, say, oh, you just want a whipped man who's going to do the dishes and fold the laundry. Mm -hmm. I think there's a radical difference between modern day feminism that says everything needs to be equally yoked, which is by the way, impossible with regard to household chores and the perspective of a man who says, no, this home is my responsibility. I need to take ownership of my family, everything that's given. I was talking to my husband about this earlier and even just using that diaper example of this influencer who refuses to change diapers and says that it's basically effeminate to do so. Uh, we were talking about it and my husband's talking about how when historically you got married, a dowry was given with the bride. The bride is completely giving herself to her husband, but she's also giving gifts of what she might have of her possessions as well. And when you give yourself to your husband, he's you could look look at it in a servile sense if you wanted to, but that's not what it is. But he's taking ownership, and ownership is a sense of responsibility over the family. And so a husband should have that sense of responsibility over all domains of the home, even though there are things that are more likely to be on a woman's plate versus the husband's. At the end of the day, my husband was commenting, it's his responsibility to assure that everything is getting taken care of and to lean into those areas where either maybe I'm struggling because of sickness, because of the busyness of something that happened with the day, the lack of sleep, and you name it, everyone has different circumstances. And you share this in your own way with having a child with special needs as well. Yeah, well, I love, I love what you're saying there because responsibility for love leads to reciprocation in love. So responsibility for love. So if I'm responsible for my wife, for my children. I take that seriously, like your husband, he, he's doing. Well, then there it isn't just that's it. There is a reciprocation that takes place because the, it's not like the more I give to my wife, then she sits back in her little you know recliner and just veges out. No, she wants to give back more to me because she feels loved. So she wants to reciprocate that love. Mm -hmm. So when we when we take that responsibility for love, then there's a reciprocation in love that's almost always going to occur unless, you know, there, and there is some cases where you're married to a narcissist or something like that. And that does happen. But the truth of the matter is, is where there is no love, put love, and there will be love, St. John the Cross mm -hmm. says. And I believe that we men, when we exercise the strength of responsibility, that love flourishes. And all of our spouses have faults. If you want to call your spouse a narcissist, and you shouldn't, but if your spouse does have narcissistic tendencies or whatever they are that your spouse struggles with in weakness, when you do good, when you behave charitably, when you behave sacrificially, it transforms the dynamic of your relationship. But just think about it. You spend the most time around your spouse, most likely, and vice versa. So good influences good. And I think that's key to remember. We might not be able to change and completely transform. But I think about Ephesians chapter 5, where St. Paul's writing about the responsibility of husbands and how husbands are to love their wives as Christ at the church. And what did Christ do? He presented her spotless and without blemish. But yet the church is you and I, and we are clearly blemished and with many faults, yet God sanctified us. And I think that's so powerful about this understanding that through sacrifice and strength, it transforms the marriage, it transforms a relationship. And this is at the core as to why women have this great desire for men to be strong. I want to talk about this a little bit more, Devin. That's Devin Shaw, author and founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph, 
You can find him at fathersofstjoseph.org. We're going to come back and discuss what does it mean to be a strong man? What is strength? Some concrete examples here on Trending with Timory with Devin Shaw. I'll be right back in just a moment. What's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Devin Shad, author and founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph, is with me. I always love diving into topics of masculinity and growing who we are within marriages and especially for men. So it's our gentleman's hour here on Trending. If you have a question for Devin, he's great with questions, gentlemen. So give him a call. The number is 888-914-9149. Today we're talking about strength. What does it mean to be a strong man? We mentioned earlier that this is one of the core needs that women have when it comes to what we desire in a man. But it's not just physical strength. In fact, gentlemen, you get it wrong when you think that the expectation of strength that women have is with regard to physique only. It has to do with the psychological, the moral, the emotional, the spiritual. All of these elements encompass what it means to have strength. Now, I believe when I think about strength, Devin, that strength is a sacrifice. Your strength is seen in action. We talked about some examples of this earlier on. Yeah, I think that so often strength is wrongly perceived in terms of how you perceive yourselves as a man. Can you talk about some of the d- differences between how men view themselves as visual, very visually different than women do and how perhaps that projection is coming back in on themselves when it comes to strength? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know how deep I can go here, but I have a friend who I actually do have a friend. Yeah, but a friend of mine he is like a Greek god. I met him years ago, decades ago, outside of a church, and he's about six, three, or four. Um, he, he's just built blunt. And it was so funny because all the guys just kind of rally around him. They just respect him because of how he looks, right? And I think that there's something to that. And what I mean by that, and I'm not the big guy. I'm not the guy like that. So when I say this, I'm not like saying, yeah, that's, that's where strength is at. But what it speaks to men is when we see someone who's mastered their body, we intuit that that guy has some kind of will. He's got some kind of inner strength. He's got a, a, a tenacity about him that he wants to achieve. He wants to be better. And so we intuit that there's more going on beneath the surface of this guy. And so I think that for men, though, we tend to look at things, like we said earlier, from the external. Now, you can speak into this better than I can, but I can just say for my my wife, thanks be to God that she doesn't <laughs> look at things like that because probably I wouldn't I wouldn't be with her. But I mean, like for example, um, I think at where I used to work, my wife would come in for lunch. My wife is very beautiful. She would visit me, and as soon as she leave, this would always happen. A guy where I would work would say, "What is she doing with you?" <laughs> it's like it's so humiliating. But that's how we guys kind of view things is from the external. 
Whereas a woman, uh, what I learned from my wife is, yes, she sees the external, but she also sees something much deeper that gives her a certain sense of security. And so I must have a strength, perhaps, that is not only bodily, but it's much deeper than that. And I think if I'm, if I may, maybe I turn it on you, but would you, what do you say to that? Do women look for strength differently than say men are looking to the other guys and saying, wow, you're strong and I respect you because of the way you look, etc." I think that modern culture overemphasizes sometimes strength in good ways and bad ways. And it's interesting because I think as women, physical strength is necessary. It's important. We want to know that a man can take a hit for us. We want to know that a man mm. can protect us. But that's different for every single person in terms of their body, the reality of their body. And I know some men, and you know, I've been everywhere from the dancing world to the fitness world. And I've seen men who you wouldn't necessarily think was that strong. And then you see them in the dancing world, picking up these women, spinning them over their heads and doing things you maybe might not have assumed or believed. And so I think it is interesting to see like the perspective that men have and women too on how strong someone may need to look physically. I think that's problematic. But there are studies, Devin, that point to the fact that women are hardwired to search for someone who can, who basically has the muscles and the money because women are hardwired to look for someone to be a father for their children, to be a protector and to be a provider. Now, I think that superficially, we sometimes overemphasize the physique and the dollar amount. And what we're missing is that what we're really looking for, in addition to those elements as well, you need to have, present a whole package, is the strength of character that is so fundamental because you and I have both seen this. And I've seen it especially having worked for years with women in crisis pregnancy situations and women, especially teenagers who are navigating life as a speaker, traveling, speaking to them. So many girls seek out the guy that looks strong, looks presentable, and then finds the greatest wounds from those men because he was not able to protect her with a full, yeah, from, yes, from himself with a full strength of character. Talk about that because I think men do need to protect women from themselves often, both inside marriage and outside of marriage. Yeah, well, I think uh, an example comes to my mind. Uh, there's a gentleman I, I knew a while back. His, his, they were newly married um, and they were very, you know, young. And so, you know, they're passionately in love. And she was, had this condition where I think it's like a cerebral vascular disease where the blood vessels in her brain, she was having aneurysms that could actually, or the potential aneurysms where the blood vessels could rupture. And so any kind of significant stress could be, could cause basically these aneurysms and, you know, permanent brain damage. So one of the things she could not do was to become pregnant. Now, there's a couple options here. One, they could use contraception. Um, yes, he could, they could abstain but they're young and newly married. So what do they do? Well, he took it upon himself to sacrifice his sexual desires in order to protect her. And so that abstinence, I think, went on for at least two and a half, three years until all of her surgeries were completed so that she could have a normal life. So he chose to protect his wife from himself, from his desire, his, his, his yes, some pure desires, but also from maybe even lust. And I think this is the key here is that women often look to that great looking guy, the man of strength, et cetera, 
when he doesn't have it in his heart, he doesn't have the will to protect and to sacrifice. That character that you're talking about is that willingness to sacrifice for another. I knew a guy, very small guy, um, his wife, they, so he was taking a nap on a Sunday afternoon. His wife was looking out the back window into the neighbor's yard and she saw the neighbor actually being murdered. Basically, a guy was slamming the neighbor's head against pavement, um, like some stones around this garden. And this woman starts screaming and her husband, who's just a little guy, he runs down the stairs, he, 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 he jumps over the fence and he gets in the backyard and he yells at this guy to stop basically attacking his friend. He was small. He, he could not have taken on that guy. But the point is, is neither could his wife, right? But he had the will and he had the tenacity to step in. And wouldn't you know it, that big burly guy who was murdering that other guy fled. And he ended up saving his life. So a lot of times, it's we're not talking about strength that is relegated to size. Or like you're saying, how much a guy can press. We're talking about a willingness to stand in the breach, a willingness to risk all for the sake of another human life. And this is what we got in marriage. When a woman finds such a man who is willing to die to his own lust, die to his own pomp, you know, or his arrogance, to, to, to serve, to serve the family, to change diapers, whatever it is, that's the man. That's the man that she, that she finds strength in. That's the man mm-hmm. she wants. Mm-hmm. It was even making me think about even just the necessity to have the strength to speak up, the courage to speak up. I've even looked at a lot of scenarios where you know there's maybe a, a danger, a threat, someone's coming at you to with a gun or threateningly, and just someone speaking up loudly and saying, "Hey, knock it off, back off," without even necessarily putting their body immediately right in between the aggressor and the person being attacked but just speaking up having the courage to step forward and i think this does touch on the entire idea of courage and fortitude because courage is to act in the face of fear fortitude is to act in the face of fear to the point of death it's virtuous it's one of the gifts of the holy spirit that is fortitude and i think that sometimes the problem with strength is that one we get it wrong, men get it wrong, and that they think that it's all about physical physique, how much they can pump, when it is about that, but it's also about that strength of character. And it's also, though, out of necessity spiritually to be reliant on God that he is providing you with the spiritual strength, with the courage, the gift of the Holy Spirit to stand up in the face of fear, to stand up in the face of life-threatening situations. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that that goes back to that, the great lowly paradox, you know, the great man is willing to sacrifice his life, which is lowering himself for the sake of another person. And and like, look, let's look at Christ. Did Christ gather his 12 disciples and open up a gym and say, okay, guys, we're going to get super buffed and we're going to get strong. And then we're going to go into Samaria and we're going to, you know, kick some Samaria. Samaria. No, he, he, it, Christ is the greatest man ever, and he was crucified out of weakness. Mm. And yet that weakness is so strong and so powerful that it converts the world. Mm. That's the real man. The real man, he exposes himself, like you're saying, to death for the sake of the other. That's the real man. Maximilian Colby, mm. he's a real man. These are real men. We think well, God, man, and Jesus Christ, but we want to be like that man. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the anthropology. That's the example that Jesus Christ is showing us. 
Jesus' strength, his triumph is on the cross and it's bloodied, it's bruised, and it's beaten. And that's that's the symbol of strength in our Christian faith. I mean, isn't that profound? Well, yeah, because that's what converts hearts. I mean, you know, the guy who is on Flex Magazine and has really ripped biceps, <laughs> he ain't converting anybody to love. You know, he's not converting any hearts. He's converting people to ego, you know. But Jesus Christ, the way that he exercises his strength converts everyone. You come in contact with Christ's love and that sacrifice, man, you want to be like him. You want to follow him. You want to be in his crowd. You want to be with him every day. That's, mm. that's the kind of man I want to be like. Let's touch now, Devin, on different components of strength, physical, moral, emotional, psychological, and spiritual. Physically, as a woman, I want to know that a man can take a hit from me, that he's willing to protect. But also, when it comes to strength, a lot of people today are dealing with health issues. Uh, medical mm -hmm. bills, the cost of medical bills are on the rise. And the reality is, is that one of those ways you can show strength is by taking care of your body with physical activity, with how you eat. I think this is a key part of this conversation, especially from a virtuous, faith-filled perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that, well, the reason I work out, one of the reasons why I work out is because it teaches me not to give up, right? So if I can train my body, that yes. also trains my will. It mm. trains my strength mm. spiritually. And I think that when we take care of our bodies, it is a demonstration that we, we're taking, we, we are more willing to, now that, uh, let me finish my statement, that we're more willing to take care of our souls. However, the world goes completely the opposite direction in this and that the body is everything. But I think that just from the, from the basic perspective of taking care of the flesh and testing the flesh, you know, working out hard, not giving up when you're, let's say you're on that run and you've got two minutes to go, but to keep going, or maybe you've got that other set, keep doing it. Taking care of yourself is a responsibility. God is giving you the gift of your body. That body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were called to take care of it if you can, you know, barring chronic illness and things like that. But all of that trains you for the spiritual. And again, that's why I think that when we see guys, as I'm speaking as a man here, when we see guys who seem to have it together bodily, we intuit that that guy has self-mastery, which he does to some level. However, it has to make that jump from using that physical exercise for my spiritual exercises. So when I'm when I don't want to get up and, and have 30 minutes or an hour of meditation in the morning, well, I've trained myself through my physical training to say, look, I can do this, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and then persevere. So I think that there is something to do. As we talk about in the theology of body, the body expresses the person, right? And yes. so the physical body is an analogy for the spiritual. Mm. Amen. And that endurance that's built through physical and spiritual work, I think is key. So that's the physical side of it. And if you're just joining us, that's Devin Schott from the Fathers of St. Joseph here on Trending. You can find him at fathersofstjoseph.org. Devin, the other components include the moral, the psychological, and the spiritual. On the moral side, it's being a man of character when it comes to strength, truth, integrity, reliability. All of these are fundamental to exuding strength as a man. Yeah. Well, back to that uh, example of the, the friend of mine who was willing to deny his own lusts, was willing not to use contraception, 
was willing to abstain from sexual intercourse with his wife for almost three years in order for her to be healed. Or my mm -hmm. friend who, you know, served his wife in order that she could be healed of her MS to some level. My point here is, is that that moral backbone to know that, to know God is first. So there's an order to love and we need to understand this order to love if we're going to do anything great on this earth. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this, that there's an order to love. We're to love God above ourselves. And when we say that, most people nod their head in agreement. But then when you ask, well, tell me, how do you love God above yourself? Most people pause and say, wow, I guess I never thought about it like that. But the key is, is why do we love God above ourselves? Because if I love myself above God, I'm saying that I can derive my happiness from myself. That's, that's impossible. I'm a limited creature and I cannot provide myself with my own happiness eternally or perpetually. Only mm -hmm. God can do that. That's why mm -hmm. I love God above myself. So if I love God above myself, that means I'm going to keep a moral order to things. Like my friend who would not have intercourse with his wife or use contraception in order to, in order to heal her. Mm -hmm. This is maintaining a moral backbone. And this can happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking the story is a great contrast to, for example, actor Orlando Bloom, who, who I think it was last year after having a baby with Katy Perry, he was complaining about how they weren't uh, engaging in intimacy. And he just sounded like a complete <laughs> jerk. It's like your wife's postpartum. She's recovering. Just be quiet. Like, just be quiet. And that's such a <laughs> counterexample to the example you gave of the strength of character and morality and sacrifice given in your friend's example. Well, that, I love that example that you just gave because that is reality. <laughs> you know, yes, that is, right. That it is, is reality. every man's reality. And here's why. Because before, prior to a woman having babies, her hormones are operating differently. Her hormones are operating in such a way so to engage her husband, so to have babies. But then after she has babies, her hormones shift dramatically. And, and it, this is a big struggle for a lot of younger men. I remember for me personally, when when early in our marriage, you know, my wife was pregnant with Anna Marie, our daughter. She was born at 28 weeks premature and my wife literally should not get pregnant for at least a year, you know? And I had to put all of that on hold. But one thing I discovered, it was, it was very frustrating because I wanted to have sexual intercourse. My wife was scared of me, but not only that, she didn't really desire it because her hormones had changed. Mm -hmm. But what that allowed me, and this is the key, God, I think does that for a purpose so that we men can come to grips, I guess, or recognize the fact that we're lustful. And that if we're to be real men, this is a great battle where lust divorces love from sacrifice. So we need to conquer lust in order to learn to love properly. And where do we need to sacrifice the most? Well, in our loins. We need to offer up that for the sake, uh, Romans 12.1. Offer your bodies as a holy living sacrifice unto the Lord. This is your spiritual worship. So how do I worship God? One of the ways is I offer my body up for my wife. Now, because I did that over time, my wonderful wife sees the sacrifice, sees the altruism of all that, sees that I'm fighting to defeat lust. And what does she do? She wants to give herself back to me, reciprocating that love. And then that's when marriage becomes extremely beautiful. That is talking about that moral strength. I think that that's what when we men, when we can learn to die to our lusts for the sake of our bride, I believe that that's truly moral strength. I think it's a powerful testimony as well. Devin, let's cover 
strength from the perspective of emotional and psychological strength. I think the two go hand in hand. And I think sometimes the culture says, like, don't show any emotion or on the opposite side, show too much emotion. There's a balance. There's a means to everything. And what we need to see for your own good as men, but also as women, like in relationships, that you have control over your emotions, that you're psychologically tough, that there isn't this angry lashing out or impatience. But there's even with regard to sorrow, sorrow can be such a challenging thing to go through that you can experience sorrow without being consumed by whatever that emotion is even rage yeah i think that women need men who are emotionally and psychologically sound and stable and i mean that's a stupid statement but it's so true i mean if i am flipping out because the lawn isn't green or because something you know little has happened at home that i wasn't expecting which i have done in the past then I'm making her insecure in love and I'm, I'm undermining the trust that we have in our relationship. So, so it's important that, so women tend to be highly emotional at times. And I think that a lot of that's hormonally driven, but as far as a man, my job is to bear her emotions as though they are my own, but be stable in that to be there for her and not just tune her out or ignore her. I mean, St. Paul says, bear one another's burdens as your own. And that includes psychological and emotional burdens. Let me get an example just came to my mind is that my, my wife's uh, mom was dying and she was in San Diego and we, we got on a Learjet to get her back to Iowa. So her, her husband, my wife's dad could come to the hospice center and be with her. Now, my wife's dad decided he didn't want to come. And the excuse he used was that he was fearful of seeing his Sharon, that's my wife's mom, in that, in that condition. He just didn't think he could handle it. Now, my wife was scared to actually be in that same room watching her mother die. And, but yet, because I guess, you know, I'm not, it's such a little thing, but I was there and I sat in that room with Sharon and Kim, my wife, was able to be there too. And therefore, my wife was supported emotionally through that and was so thankful that she was able to see her mom out of this world, whereas her dad didn't. And I think he still has regret to this very day, but it was a very selfish act on his part. And I think that when we're talking about the strength of a man, the man has to step up in the face of the most horrific of circumstances, even death, or even the loss of a child or things like that and be there for his wife. I, a friend of mine, when his, his wife was, uh, was it uh, where the, I, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking of the actual name of the disease, but where the baby is born without the skull, um, mm. their baby was born without a skull. And we visited them at the hospital and he could have blown up. He could have pouted. He could have been a basket case and let his wife down and rocked her world, you know, but no, he was as strong as strong. He was so stable. And when I walked, my wife and I walked in the hospital room, it still gives me goosebumps. He's holding his baby and he says, look at the beautiful gift that God gave us hmm. sitting right there next to his wife. And I thought that man is a man of strength. That, that is being an emotionally strong man who doesn't feel sorry for himself, doesn't you know, have a pity party, but he is there for his wife to see her through this, 
And he is going to find the good in it no matter what. It's a powerful, powerful testimony. And it shows what it is to live a strong life, what it means to be strong. And we've not been talking about physical strength and pumping iron, but real hard testimony stories where the rubber meets the road when it comes to strength, to character, to faith. And I think that's a powerful example that you shared here on Trending as we talk about that core need of a woman to see strength in the man that she's with. If you want to learn more about Devin's work, you can find Devin Shad at fathersofstjoseph.org. That's fathersofstjoseph.org where you can also check out some of his books as well and a great ministry to men. Devin, thanks for joining me today on Trending. It's November in just a couple of weeks, and we are going to be celebrating and praying for the lives of our loved ones who have passed before us, praying for their entry into the kingdom of heaven. So join Relevant Radio as we pray and offer novena for these holy souls. You can submit up to 20 names. Be sure to tell your loved ones as well to do so at relevantradio.com slash souls. That's relevantradio.com slash souls. You'll receive reflections from Father Rocky each day of the novena, as well as joining us on November 2nd through the 10th during daily mass, the live stream Divine Mercy Chaplet, and the Family Rosary Across America here on Relevant Radio as we pray for the faithfully departed who have gone before us. I'll be right back here on Trending, and we'll be touching on the sad news, but I think a very common experience, and this is why it's being shared, a Britney Spears who's come out sharing in her memoir that's about to be published that she had an abortion with Justin Timberlake. I'll share with you here in just a moment on Trending. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Britney Spears, that's right, the singer known for everything from Hit Me Baby One More Time to some of the other songs that you may love from Britney Spears or hate. But Britney Spears has come out in a memoir that will be released next week as a book. And ahead of the memoir in the publicity campaign that they're working on came out shocking and sorrowful news for many. She ends up sharing about how she had an abortion when she was a teenager with then-boyfriend Justin Timberlake. She said that he didn't want to be a father, and she comments on how it was the most difficult experience of her life. I'll share a little bit more of her words. She even has a song that's now being revealed in hindsight was actually having to do with her abortion. If you read the lyrics, we'll walk through it in a minute, you see how profound the post-abortion suffering for her was as a young woman. And I have to look up what year, my producers can find what year this song came out. We'll t- I'll show you with you what song it was and look at the lyrics. But here's what I think is interesting and I think an opportunity to help a very common wound that many women carry, and that is having had an abortion. It's interesting that they're using this as a leading piece to promote her memoir, her book. What they're using is her abortion, a horrible experience in a very public way with singer Justin Timberlake, as a way to promote the book. Why would they do that? Because this is how common abortion is. 
Now, they're not just doing this in anticipation of the new book that will be released next week, but in addition to the fact that she did an exclusive with People Magazine, which they have a copy of the magazine coming out on Friday, which documents this along with more of her memoir, and they're doing it to sell copies of People Magazine. That's how common the pain and the sorrow of abortion is. It's also interesting news and gossip to some with regard to Justin Timberlake being involved and everything from accusations to cheating to others. But this is the real wound. Britney Spears at the age of 19 had an abortion. How sad it is to revisit this and so publicly. We actually have learned in her memoir, she shares that her performance, her song, Every Time, isn't a story having to do with a breakup in the relationship with Timberlake, but actually having to do with the loss of her child and how the loss of her child, the death of her child via abortion, haunted her day in and day out. I want you to listen to the lyrics, and we'll walk through some of them in just a moment from her song, Every Time. heartbreaking to go back and watch one of her performances. This is actually from one of her performances where Britney Spears and seeing a very heartfelt performance is touching her abdomen, holding her stomach, acknowledging the loss of her child in this actual video. And I have watched it over and over again this afternoon, and my heart has absolutely broken just thinking about the reality of abortion and its impact on her. I mean, if you look at Britney Spears, she has suffered immensely psychologically over the last 20 years in her relationships, in her parenting, in her motherhood, and the manipulation of others toward her. And just looking at the lyrics from this song, you hear her say, I feel so small, I guess I need you, baby. And every time I see you in my dreams, I see your face. She says, it's haunting me. She says, I guess I need you, baby. Then she says, I make believe that you are here. She plays make believe that her baby that was aborted is here. She says, it's the only way I see clear. She goes on to say, what have I done? You seem to move uneasy. And every time I fly, I try, every time I try to fly, I fall. That is every time she's trying to function, move on, she falls without her wings. That is her baby. She says, I feel so small. I guess I need you, baby. And she says it over and over again. Oh, she's haunted in her dream. She sees her baby's face. She tries to pretend that her baby's there. And then toward the end of the song, she says, please forgive me. My weakness caused you pain. And this song is my sorry. Wow. Those words in this song, to see some of her performances as she's holding her abdomen, to see the young and vibrant Britney Spears of 20 years ago, as she acknowledges in a public way the abortion of her and Justin Timberlake's baby. And in hindsight, if you watch the video, uh, the music video, which I was not allowed to watch music videos growing up, it 
just a, a lot of them were inappropriate, but I was especially not allowed to watch just uh, Britney Spears music videos growing up. So I was watching it for the first time, and you see it's a medical circumstance that she's singing about, and she even has a man helping like pull her out of almost like a laboring tub, the whole thing. And then at one point, the couple welcomes the baby. It is heartbreaking to see this story. But the fact that the memoir and People magazine are using the story of abortion, her abortion, to sell copies of the magazine, to sell copies of the book, they're capitalizing on a story that is very raw, that is very common for many women, it is going to evoke a lot of conversations surrounding the impact of abortion. Now, if you look at some of her statements, she says the pregnancy was a surprise. But for me, she says the pregnancy, she said it wasn't a tragedy. She didn't use the word pregnancy. I'm just telling you that it wasn't a tragedy. She said, I loved Justin so much. I always expected us to have a family together one day. This would just be much earlier than I'd anticipate. Justin, she said, definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy. He said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. Britney Spears then goes on to say about her abortion decision, if it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it. And yet Justin was so sure that he didn't want to be a father. Those are her words about choosing abortion the pressure and the influence of the man. And I want to emphasize this because I have stood in front of that abortion clinic time and time again, where a woman walks in alone without the man, without the father of the child, or where he drops her off in the parking lot and drives away. Or now more common, he pays for her Uber and doesn't go with her. So we see a lot when I stand in front of the abortion clinics now. She says to this day, it's one of the most agonizing things I've ever done or experienced in my life. Women are doing this alone without the father or under the influence of the father of the baby. But let me tell you over and over again, from working for years in the pregnancy resource centers to standing in front of the abortion clinic with these women before they choose or God willing don't choose to have an abortion. When I ask them why, they share the father wasn't excited. The father wouldn't react well or didn't react well. She knew she wouldn't have his support. A man, the father of a child, is the greatest influencer to help choose and keep that baby. And this is the testament of Britney Spears, that men need to step up and stand up. We need to shape men that even in the face of mistakes, sex outside of marriage, quote, accidents. If we can, You can't call a child an accident, but if you want to call a child an accident, that's what we do in the 21st century. That you own up to your accidents. You own up to your mistakes. You father children. You support women. Because I'm looking at Britney Spears and 20 years later, seeing the pain that this abortion has caused, the chaos, the harm that has occurred, the pain through years and years of therapy and dysfunction. Post-abortion syndrome is very real and very damaging. For some, the, the aftermath is immediate. For some, they bury it for years and it pops up in other ways later on. And so I hope that you will, if you know someone who's had an abortion or can use this as an opportunity, present the resource. If you've had an abortion, supportafterabortion.com. That's supportafterabortion.com because healing is one of the best ways to move through the pain and heartbreak that women experience from abortion. We'll pray for you. If you've experienced an abortion, please pray for a loved one who may have as well. This is Tim Murray from Trending with Tim Murray. Thursday, licensed marriage and family therapist Michael Gasparro joins me discussing what to do if you're experiencing gender dysphoria. 
Also, we'll talk about the church's teaching on personal identity and what is allowed and not allowed when it comes to the latest technological capabilities regarding bodily modification. So join me Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.